What's up, everybody? This is the 10 After 7 podcast, episode 13. And today, the special guest is my older brother, Dylan Stevenson. Big Dill, how's it going? All right. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So today, we're going to jump right into the last two episodes of The Last Dance and kind of rank it to see where it stands as far as 30 for 30s go and other sports documentaries out there. Sounds good. All right. So I got to ask you first. What did you want or expect from this documentary going in when it first started back a couple of weeks ago? Uh, I just wanted to see, like, you know, exactly how MJ uh, compared to, like, you know, our generation growing up. I mean, I I remember kind of watching him in the 98 finals uh, when dad had uh, that game on, but I don't really... I wasn't obviously paying attention like I am today, you know, um, and how actually good of a player he was. Uh, first of all, are you cracking a beer? Because I did. Yes, I am. Which one? Little uh, sidewalk surfing by Pizza Port. All right, I got a big wave golden ale by Kona. Uh, yeah, I kind of am in the same place as you as far as Michael Jordan. You're two years older than me, so you probably do remember that in 1998. I don't remember it at all. I wish we could go back and watch those games like we do today, breaking down basically every possession down on the court, especially with LeBron James nowadays. So coming in, I just want to see how good he was. And I wanted to see those stories come out, which did about how aggressive and how intense he was as a teammate. And what stories did you take from those of how he treated his guys? Um, You know, I kind of understand it as, you know, when you're that good and that great, you're just different. You're that's, you know, the one thing he had on his mind was winning. There was nothing else. It was just winning. He didn't care if people didn't like him. You know, he was just trying to pull those guys along and um, that, you know, same thing with Kobe Bryant. Like, you know, people didn't like him as a teammate, but I mean, he's a legend for, I mean, the guy was a gamer. This He took everything from the book from, you know, MJ and, you know, some of the shit he would say to his teammates was fucking classic on there. So, you know, calling Scott Burrell a hoe constantly and like, you know, him, uh, you better make this or I'm going to whoop your ass. Yeah, I love that he called Scott Burrell a hoe. Just calling any dude a hoe is a great freaking comeback to anything. I'm going to start using it. Probably should use it to a minimum. Uh, the other question I have in this these last two episodes they talk about his security guards. I thought that was one of the best moments because we actually got to see Michael Jordan, the person, because all of this was about the 1998 season, how he treated teammates, how he treated opponents, and to see those two guys by his side the entire way, and Gus, the one being kind of a father figure, when his father passed away, just incredible in that last episode when he's going through cancer. Michael Jordan made sure that's who got the game ball when they were playing Indiana in that game seven. Yeah, it was um, that was pretty touching because you know he doesn't get along with too many people, and for him to look at that dude like it was you know his father figure, and uh, to see their the way they dealt with each other, and you know how he said like um, when he was out sick, and how he came back, and 
He's like, yeah, the reason we were losing, man, was because of you or you were gone. So to see, like, you know, how just some ordinary dudes that, you know, were security guards for the greatest player at the time in the world um, and how close he was to them was pretty awesome to see. Well, and that was another cool thing because obviously they followed the team around during that 98 season, and that's how we got all this footage. And the one footage that stood out to me is how many times did they show him in that back room before games just sitting there shooting the shit with those guys? That was the only time you could really think, damn, this is the one time during the day where Michael Jordan could kind of just be himself and relax. And those were, what, 10, 15 minutes before a game started? Yeah, how he was playing, you know, quarters with uh, the Jerry uh, Jerry Curl motherfucker, dude. Yeah. And uh, how MJ basically got his ass kicked in that game by that guy. But it just showed that, like, you know, being that famous was hard to be normal. And then we also got in the last episode is the famous flu game. A lot of people are actually debunking the pizza story because who orders a pizza that late at night when you have, it sounded like there was four to six guys in that room with them. And he's the only one that eats the entire pizza. I think it's just crazy how everyone calls it the flu game, but it was basically food poisoning. But do you believe it was the food poisoning game? I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't really believe anything else. There's like, rumors There's rumors that he might have went to Vegas the night before. I don't believe it, but, you know, people could say what they want. Like, it's, it's just facts. Well, yeah, and so this entire documentary, I love the ending. The ending was awesome, and I think Phil Jackson comes out. If it's not Michael Jordan who we're talking about, in this documentary, it's for sure Phil Jackson. You have that final series, the way it ends with Michael Jackson, or it's almost Michael Jackson. Michael Jordan saying all those guys wrote what that team meant to him, and then Phil Jackson shuts off the lights and they make a bonfire out of all the paper. And apparently, Jordan wrote a poem. I think Phil Jackson, hands down, I don't think any question that he's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, hands down. How many rings does he have? He has eleven. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for him to have a cash, yeah, that was cash. All right, dude, hang in there. Um, I mean, yeah, he has 11 championships, and two of them, five and five, were you know, two of the greatest players to ever play the game. And to see how he dealt with those guys, um. It's pretty, it's pretty touching to see that because if there was any other coach on there, like I don't know if those coaches can handle or put up with MJ and Dennis Rodman and you know Kobe Kobe's attitude back in the day. Like I don't think there's any other coach that can deal with that. Well, for instance, they have that story which is absolutely incredible that Dennis Rodman misses game, uh, practice before Game Four of the NBA Finals to go do WWF. And Phil Jackson really kind of jokes about it. You could tell deep down he's so furious that Dennis was doing that. But at the end of the day, he kind of let Dennis be Dennis because he knew he was going to get 100% on the floor. Well, that's why, like, that just shows he had a lot of trust in his players. Like, yeah, Dennis was wild and out of control, but he knew game time Dennis Rodman was going to show up and perform. 
And so this documentary, right after it ended, you had people like me and you like were like, damn, this was incredible. One of the best documentaries I've seen. And of course, Twitter started put they started ranking it immediately. They said, Oh, is this the best ever? And a lot of people shot it down saying, How can it be the best ever if Michael Jordan gets final say? So it's kind of graded on a curve. Yeah. Curve. I don't I I'm with them on that. I to be honest, it was a great documentary. Um it was put put together well. I don't think it's the greatest though. I really don't. Well no, OJ OJ made in America is the best ESPN's ever done. I don't think so either on that. What? Yep. What so what ranks up there for you? Uh I'd have to say like uh it brought joy and almost tears to to me when I watched it was uh the one with uh North Carolina State uh oh, survive in advance, Jimmy Valvanas. Survive in advance with Jimmy Valvano, you know, how they performed with um, Jimmy Valvano in his probably weakest times uh, and how he took a team like that and won it all. Yeah, that's a very good one. That actually, I forgot about that one. Uh, obviously, I'm biased. I like Unguarded. It's one of my favorite uh that's not actually even a 30 for 30. Did you know that? That's a ESPN short film. Yeah, I, I just realized that when I was looking at 30 for 30s a couple of days ago. I don't – it's it's still on the same it's definitely It's definitely a great one. But I think another good one was um, uh, Rand University about Randy Moss and where he grew up. And, you know, uh, he still, you know, talks to those boys and – how some of the, the guys that he hung around back then uh, ended up at Rand University, which was the little 7-Eleven right there on the corner. Yeah, that's a classic one. So as far as this one goes, though, do you have a problem with Michael getting final say? Yes, I do, because that's that's biased. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. There were some things in there that, yeah, did make Michael look like, you know, at his down times and – but at the same time, like, if you're going to make a documentary on someone, like, put it in your perspective. Like, why would you go to MJ? Well, he, he's the just... one that had the rights to this film that's been sitting on the table for 20 years. Well, there you go. So, like, everyone now, like, you know, for instance, the whole flu thing. Did that really happen? We don't know that. You know, it's him and his boys saying that. So... Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little biased, but don't get me wrong, it's still a great documentary and so if you take Michael Jordan out of the documentary, if he's not in it, they have the same footage, they have the same stories, how do you think it plays? I think people make up more I I th- I still think it's great because I think his competitors either, no matter how much they hate talking about him, bringing back the memories of them losing a title, yeah. I don't think there's any more respect that than anyone that Michael Jordan gets from his peers. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think every player, no matter dislike or like, I think they, you know, respect the hell out of him. Like, you know, his game was unbelievable. So your thoughts on Scotty Pippen? God, they really made him look like a little bitch in that documentary. To be honest, I I think so. Like, you know, Scotty, 
with uh, the, the sitting in the bench uh, scenario and then um, the the sick he was sick that one game right yeah he had a migraine and the night yeah he had a migraine and then and then I mean they kind of made him seem at the end like yeah he really was struggling from back pain but uh, like when he left the game I was like wow they are not making him look good at all. Yeah, that was a rough one. And during that entire, I mean, you forget because they talked about it in episode one, that 97-98 season, he decided to get surgery during the year. So he missed, I think it was like 40-something games. Yeah, and I I also, I don't respect the fact that in that game he sat out, how he said he would never, yep. you know, he doesn't regret, he doesn't regret it. it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of ridiculous, like, you know, you literally sat out the last play because you weren't going to get the ball. And then, you know, your team just won and you act like that. Like, come on. You're you're a professional athlete. And one of, you're a great one at that. And then you act like that? Come on, dude. Seriously, that even goes back to Phil Jackson again. You said it, like, how no coach could really handle those personalities. And Phil Jackson is the best at it because that situation in the middle of a playoff series – I think there's probably a fight in any other locker room, but those guys were bonded so strong. They were probably even bonded more because that was the year Michael Jordan took off to play baseball. But man, Phil keeping that shit together. I think well, even, even Phil, you know, like, are you going in? No, I'm not. And Phil's like, bull, like, fuck, fuck yeah. this bullshit. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with everything. I, I still think it would have been a great documentary if they didn't get Michael. It was cool to see Michael because we know Michael doesn't do any interviews or anything. And our generation and a bunch of other generations now have these 10 episodes forever that we could show our kids. You could show Cash and Kai when they grow up. Like, he's the ultimate competitor. You definitely take something from it. Like, you de- you definitely have to be wired differently if you want to get to the heights that Michael Jordan got to. Definitely. And that's why, you know, I respect him because I like, yeah, I know teammates are, you you being a teammate is very important, but at the same time, like those guys would have not celebrated any championships as if it wasn't for Michael pushing them the way he did in practices. Yeah. And they all feel that way too. So we, we turned on sports center right after you got, you said turn it off right away because it was already began Michael Jordan first LeBron. And I thought it was freaking crazy. Of course, right when this documentary ends, you're going to, you're going to have a poll of who's the better player. The problem I had though, they said better passer and 74% of the people said Michael Jordan, like LeBron well, stopped playing basketball okay. and we forget about that. I don't care. Recency bias. Forget it. That's, that's the but most that's what I'm saying. thing ever. Like, again, like they just, they did that right after people just watched, you know, 10 hours of Michael Jordan with so no LeBron in it. So you're saying I fell into the trap and got mad? No, no. I'm saying other people fell into the trap and got mad. For voting 74%, Michael Jordan was a better passer. Yeah, and for a while. They just watched 10 hours. And when's the last time we've seen LeBron play? Months? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I just think it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like, you come out with that right after. And then, first of all, like, come on. We're back on the fucking Michael Jordan-LeBron comparison. I'm so over that. Like, 
it, it's kind of ridiculous. Like you, you do that to both guys. Like, and of course, LeBron, LeBron went on Instagram, had his show that he had, and he says that he would have loved to be teammates with Michael Jordan. And then that gets twisted. Like, Oh, of course LeBron wants to play with Michael Jordan. First of all, you can't compare either of them. They play in two different generations of the, how the game was played, you know, and the game isn't played that way anymore. I mean, LeBron gets tapped on the freaking wrist and it's a foul. And you had to punch MJ in the face with an elbow or, you know, a fist for it to even be a foul. Back then. Yeah, I, I just don't think that debate's ever going to go away. And as far as documentaries go, how many players do you think are going to allow access for an entire season now that they've seen what this has done for Michael Jordan? Uh. I mean, it all depends on, you know, who the player is. I mean, they didn't they say like, uh, they Kobe Bryant followed, uh, or was followed the whole last season of his career. It kind of sucks, like, to hear that. By the way, because his last season, like, yeah, I get it. It's your farewell, but that wasn't your best season, bro. Yeah, but it'll be cool that sixty-point game if they show like the day-to-day him leading up to getting there because his body was torn up and that'd be cool to see like how he got up in the morning and how he was like going to bed that night. Cause you know, that dude's body was completely broken, completely broken. But there's another guy right there. Like he, you know, he said he wouldn't have got his five championships without MJ and people, people don't really see that of, how big of a gamer he was and how much alike he was of MJ. So after seeing this, is Jordan, is Jordan the goat or are you still a Kobe guy? I mean, I'm always going to be a Kobe guy, dude. I grew up watching Kobe. He was, I guess you can say like, you know, since I don't really remember Michael Jordan that much, he was my Michael Jordan. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm not going to take away credit after seeing that of MJ. Like, he was fucking unreal. But, my guy, dude, RIP Kobe Bryant. Honestly, though, if they did make, like, a 10-hour thing on Kobe, similarly, like, he went through in the middle of his career after winning those first three championships. We know what happened in Denver. Like, he would have to talk about that. So, I think the timelines would kind of line up as far as, like, a 10-hour documentary. He would talk about that maybe – uh, if- yeah, I kind of, I kind of hope they don't do a ten-hour documentary, like two to three hours at max. Like I, I was kind of, I, I didn't like. Yeah, I, I get it. Like it was something to look forward to on Sundays, but it's like, yeah, you think so, you think some quarantine of, helped this documentary? I still think people would yes. watch every Sunday. I just think like ten hours, like that's kind of. Like some of the stuff they put in there was kind of like, dude, why are we? Why do we need to know about this? Like what? Like uh, don't say Steve Kerr. We needed that. No, I wasn't gonna say that. And thanks for putting words in my mouth. Oh, I'm saying don't on, say on a that. fucking podcast. I wasn't gonna say that. I, I was gonna say like you know the um, what's his name? Uh, God. Uh, now I'm stuck. Ew. The whole like uh, BJ Armstrong thing. Oh. To be honest, it was that was nonsense. Like I didn't. 
Well, no, I, I did, but I, that, that probably is another Jordan story that he wanted to tell because he got back at someone. I mean, don't get me wrong. He has some great stories in there. Like, uh, when he obviously, when he punched Steve Kerr in the face yeah. and, like, basically they be, Steve Kerr became trusted after that because he didn't back down. Yeah, Michael and, Jordan felt so small for punching the littlest guy in the court. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I – God, I love Dennis Rodman. That guy's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I think people still want to know more about that guy. And we got he got his own thirty for thirty, and I didn't. He did, and actually, it was a, it was a great thirty for thirty. It was sad. It was definitely great. Like you definitely watched that, and I think people who, who don't know about Rodman watched this uh, ten hour special. They're probably thinking, man, this guy's a head case. But if you know how Dennis Rodman grew up, they touched on it a little bit, but there's more to it. Yeah, I mean, that's for for him to even get to where he was with what he grew up with was pretty shocking. And I just loved it. Dude, the guy ditched practice to go party with Hulk Hogan and hit a dude in the fucking back with a chair on national television. Yeah, and in the same season where he decided he needed a trip to Vegas when Scottie Pippen got back. And your whole team doesn't even know where you are. That's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, the Steve Kerr story was needed. That was great. I was reminded of it. A lot of people didn't know that. Uh, just heartbreaking. You could see it in his eyes still. Uh, and what was the other story that I took? Damn it. I just had it, dude. You lost me. Uh, uh, oh, the director. So the director uh, hasn't talked to Jordan since he interviewed him. I think he interviewed him two times during this entire thing has not, has no relationship with Michael Jordan. Uh, And he said, if he could touch on one more thing that he didn't really get to, he says you can make an entire documentary from Michael Jordan's freshman year of high school to his junior year of college. Like there was a lot of stuff there that Jordan gave out. Like they talked to his Babe Ruth coach, um, talked to a couple different colleges that were recruiting him, how he got kicked out of school a couple times his freshman year and no Jordan brother, had ever missed a class, anything. And he got kicked out of school for uh, fighting. And the fights were warranted, definitely. But that's something interesting that the director said. Yeah, I didn't like how the director said um, how if anyone was portrayed bad in this, it was Isaiah Thomas. He really wasn't portrayed that bad. If I got to say anyone was portrayed as bad, it was Scottie Pippen. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't get that either. And I think Isaiah was probably it came off weird because Isaiah was kind of went on like an apology tour after his spot came up in episode, whatever it was three, I think he kind of went around the rounds on SPN and whatever show it was kind of apologizing. And there's no reason to apologize what you did 20 years ago. That's how you became who you were. And that's by all accounts, the second best point guard to ever play the game. Yeah. And I they mean, also have their own documentary. It's a phenomenal documentary. People should go back. And bad boys. Bad Boys is a great documentary. Yeah, uh, I want to so, find that shirt, uh, by the way, somewhere. What shirt? Bad Boys? Yeah, with their faces on it. I didn't know. It's a great shirt. Um, I think we got a shout out if we're talking about documentaries. Me and you have watched Momentum Generation, the surfing one on HBO. That's a- amazing. Amazing documentary on their highs and lows of what those those 
dudes grew up with. Yeah, if you're going to watch any documentary, uh, that one for sure. 90 Surfing, Kelly Slater and those guys coming up. We've watched it about three times already. Uh, you're the beer guy. Love craft beer. Uh, Crafty Dutchy 10 on Instagram. We should follow it. Um, I looked up an article today by Eno Saris, I believe his name is, from The uh, Athletic. And it was right up your alley. He was ranking the best craft beer all 30 major league stadiums. I'm gonna have you Steve, I'm gonna have you try to well first, what's your thoughts? I got, what's your thoughts my, on Dodgers? Oh, it's horrible. I'm not a big I'm not a fan of Golden Road at all. And I know Golden Road made a, a blonde uh of it's called like Golden Spikes and it's for the Dodgers, but um I don't really consider that craft beer. Um I think like the ones you don't hear about uh, that aren't in stadiums are better. Yeah. So for this guy to go and rank like stadium beers, it's kind of ridiculous. No, because... but he, he, so he ranked it. He's obviously, he, I think he's an angel beat writer. So I think he's been to all these stadiums and he's a huge brewery guy. So he knows the local breweries and he wanted to see how many of these stadiums actually have the local ones inside the stadiums. And he, he, I mean, he broke it down. So he gave t- one through 10, 10 being best, ranking the top beer, the average beer he gave a score, and then accessibility. Like what levels these beers are on. Is it easy to get at the stadium? Dodger Stadium, you can only get the great beers, I'm sorry, at club level. That's the first level, which sucks. No, actually, uh, can't be scored, not anymore. Which has a not lot even, of good not, not anymore. That's a change. No, well, they have the well, they have they have the craft beers at the top, but Campy's Corner legitimately has like a wall, and you could get some low key beers down there that are very good. Well, they also have on the loge level and the bottom level at the end of the stadium. They have where you can get a bunch of craft beers. But the only thing I don't like is, I get it, I get it. It's L.A., but they charge you know wow. fucking twenty five dollars for. A can, he said that. a normal can. And that's why Dodgers were ranked 27 on his list out of 30 teams. But I also get it. Like these these breweries are trying to make money, and it's all it's obviously it's in LA. Well, you know what's crazy? Like, so you would have liked them, like he said. Uh, Dodgers are 27. Uh, the club level has the best beers, and he mentioned like I don't know if you've been to these. He mentioned Highland Park Brewing. He mentioned Alpha Great. Great, great brewery. Yeah, he mentioned El Segundo, and then he mentioned Beachwood, and he said, these are, like, the best L.A. breweries, but they're not in the stadium. Like, those are the ones that should be there, and that's what he was looking for and didn't get. I uh, I disagree on two of those. What? El Segundo should be in there. Oh, I love them. No, definitely El Segundo should be in there. They're a baseball brewery. They for sure should be in there. Um, we went to Beachwood before. Uh, Beachwood's right down the street from my house. It's their beer is average to me. I mean, I shouldn't say average. They they got good beer, but it's not. I think El Segundo has great beer, and that new pizza spot they even opened up was freaking amazing. Yeah, we watched the. Uh, it, it reminded me of just like an old school pizza parlor with really good beer. Um, the Highland Park's got good beers. But I think there's better ones down there. You know, we went to, uh, by the way, Kashi is wearing a full-on Dodger outfit right now. It's with pants, belt, socks, and everything. Hey, you got to get a picture of that. Yeah. Uh, I think um, 
we went to it before. You know, I think Indy is a great brewery. Yeah, you mentioned like four or five. Not, uh, not ring a bell. Highland Park was the one. If if you don't even if people don't know about their logo, it's like it's a freaking awesome logo. It's a hops, um, and like the top points of the hops is the city of LA. Yes, uh, um, Boomtown, another good brewery. Uh, so I I think that's kind of biased on maybe those are the only breweries he's been to. Uh, so I don't know, but it but, does, but yeah. that just tells you it sucks. Cause there's a lot of great breweries in LA and how Dodger stadium can't get them in there is tough. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know how that works, but, um, obviously some of those aren't pushing their beer hard enough, I guess, like uh, those breweries, but so he mentioned angel stadium came in number 21 on the list. Uh, I didn't know this, but noble L. He gave them a shout out, and they actually have their beer nose candy in the stadium. Yes, they do. Um, Noble Ale Works is a great brewery. Uh, very, uh, very small, but good vibe. Uh, good vibe, though. Great vibe. Uh, too bad it's the Angels. Um, but they do have Anaheim is just known for having great great breweries in uh and they surround the city. stadium that's a plus right across the street yeah i mean right across the street you got carl strauss you got golden road you got uh backstreet brewery you got noble noble ale works you got um the new one brewheim which is very good um all american ale yeah and dodger stadium not a plus is i mean they're like 10 15 minutes from the stadium but you got a trek and they're not in great areas. But you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything because that stadium is a hell of a lot better than Angel Stadium. A thousand percent. So I'm going to make you guess the top five craft beer stadiums in this guy's opinion. All right. Let's go. So do you, you want me to go? Yeah. All right. I think one is going to be uh, Petco Park, San Diego Padres. Petco's number two. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you've been to number one. I'll give you that. Hint. You've actually, right. you've actually uh, been to the top three. Okay, so I'll say Petco. Um, I'll say Bush. No, they're they're in like middle of the pack. And they said it kind of sucks okay. because they're licensed with Bush. So not a lot of craft. And I don't think craft beer is that big out in Missouri. Huh. Actually, I take that back because top five. Uh, I'll say, oh, I know another good one. Safeco. Safeco's number one. Wow. Yeah. And we've been there. They yeah. do. There are a lot of breweries around there, and they must they be. Had, that was probably the best vibe place I've ever been to. Yeah. So. Uh, you got a sucker? Awesome. All right. What's number three? You've been there. And number three. Is probably going to be, uh, let me guess, the worst team in all of MLB baseball. The AT&T Park. Uh, yep, Giants. Uh, I, they don't even deserve to say their name. Yep. How was Brew there when you went for your honeymoon? Actually, we went um, to, I don't know if you've heard of it, 21st Amendment. Yeah, I've had beer uh, with the fit. It was, a pretty, it was a pretty cool vibe. You know, I'm not. San Francisco uh, is actually a shithole place, but I will say their food and beer and stuff like that is top notch, man. They got great breweries up there. 
great food. I mean, we spend a lot of money on food up there. But the city, not a big fan of it at all. Uh, you're, there's no way you're going to guess number four and five. Like It actually shocked me that they're on here. Uh, number four? I'll give you the division. They're both in the AL Central. Really? Yeah. Um, both of them. Both of them. Kansas City? Yeah, that's number five. Wow. Yeah. And I got to go there because their barbecues apparently hands down the best. Well, we had our opportunity. It was super cheap. I had it set up and everything, and you bailed out. Whatever. If you get number four, like, this is wild because this stadium is, like, probably the last stadium I'd want to visit personally. Um, AL Central. Detroit? No. Um, they did. That guy did mention that it's a low key like uh, beer spot, though Detroit. Um, Dale Central. The Indians? Nope. What is it? The White Sox, dude. Guaranteed rate field. Wow. Yeah. So. Oh, I. I can kind of see that. I mean, well, what, what I, was, I what I was reading about this on the top five, like just his little paragraphs that he wrote, is a lot of these places, which is freaking awesome. Every place should have it. Is I think the White Sox have a place called the Beer Cave, and you basically like go in there, and uh, there's just all kinds of beers, local beers everywhere. And they don't I'll have to ask. Them. I'll have to ask Dylan Bell because Dylan Bell's actually been to that stadium. Um, shout out to him. But shouldn't they have those at every stadium? I think Dodger Stadium, like, hopefully them building that center field plaza. I know there's a playground for kids, but maybe they do something with craft beer out there. I don't know. I hope. I, I, won't, I don't know, man. They're more of, like, looking into family-oriented and stuff like that. But if you haven't been to Dodger Stadium, there's a spot right off of uh, Vince Scully Ave, right below it called sunset beer co it's on sunset yeah well it's on sunset but it's right down the hill of vince coley and um it's freaking awesome i mean they have tons of craft beers and you just grab it and then they'll they'll open the beer for you and you just drink it it's actually an awesome spot that's what we realized though like forever people say like oh dodgers dodger stadium's in the middle of nowhere but if you explore like the last couple of years, opening day, going to Little Joy, like that place pops off. It's a little hole in the wall. We've been to the shortstop. I don't. It's too dark for me in there. But there's even a little place. I think it's called the Gold Room. That you get a beer and a shot of tequila for five dollars. Sunset Brew during the playoffs, they put up a huge projector. Uh, it's like it's like a little hipster a, spot. It's awesome. Yeah, we've been to Boomtown. Boomtown. Uh, Art Arts District. What's the uh, What's the one that we went to? You said it was on some TV show or something. Yeah, it's a uh, Iron Triangle. That one's cool. Um, and actually, there's a Netflix original of the actual brewery, but it's called a show like Beer Masters or something like that. But um, the stuff around there, like the shortstop, was actually really cool with having all the Dodgers photos. Yeah, uh, cool. posted up in there. I just like there's those places have been around forever, and it's. I it's kind of I get it. It's like in a shithole area, but it, like yeah, like you said, if you just go out and explore right right around that area, 
There's tons of awesome spots. Shit whole area, but it's the same. Like it's just you and a bunch of Dodger fans, like just shooting the shit. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's the same vibe as inside the stadium. The only thing that sucks is walking up that fucking hill to the stadium. Yeah, that's brutal, especially on a hot day. But you'll get over it fast. Yeah. Um, one last question. I know you probably have the better games in your lifetime, or in both of our lifetimes, but you just attended it. But I saw a question on Instagram, AM570 Sports Radio app. The greatest game you've ever attended, Dodgers. Um, God, there I have so many. Yeah, but, but I, I, I'd say, uh, God damn. One of the, the greatest games I probably have ever been to was opening day in 2009. Uh, the Dodgers came out from the stands and I was sitting like four seats back from the visitors dugout. Uh, I got to, you know, shake hands with for call Rafael for call, you know, Kuroda, uh, Andre Ethier. And then, uh, I remember like they were playing the giants, which is even better. And, um, we got all you can eat, like the all you can eat, like of the steak and all that stuff. And um, Chad Billingsley pitched like one hell of a game. And then I remember uh, Andre Ethier hit a bomb. We had several Dodgers hit bombs, and one of my favorite Dodgers ever, who they Joe Torre kind of treated like shit, um, was Orlando Hudson hitting for the cycle on opening day. Yeah, we got to find that poster, dude. We used to have the poster in the garage. All he needed was a triple, and it's him. Yeah, it was, it was the sickest moment. I I'm not a, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about it. thought I would never see a cycle hit. But his last at-bat is he needed a triple, and which is probably, I'd say, one of the hardest things you, you can – you have to hit. Yeah. To get the cycle, and not to mention at Dodger Stadium, that's not a that's not course field. Like you're not getting hurt. no down the down the lines is short, man. Yeah. And uh, I just remember I was like, oh, he he's got to go for it. He's got to go for it, and he goes for it and makes it. And so you knew was, you knew before when he comes up to bat that he needed a triple. Like everyone in the stadium knew. Everyone knew. All right, that's awesome. Because I mean, he was hitting the hell out of the ball, and. When we saw, I think, I want to say they might have said something. Or you looked at, you know, you look at the the board and it says, you know, what he has. And it says, you know, one more hit away from the cycle. And all he needs is a triple. Yeah. I'm pretty sure every fan in that stadium was rooting for him to hit a triple. And he hits a shot, man, and he's going for it. Yeah, that was probably one of the, and then uh, I mean I got several, but another top moment. Well, let's 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 not leave out that not only did he hit a triple, but he has to run home to third with the fattest dip in his mouth because that's what he was known for. Correct, and you know, on opening day, what better way could you beat the Giants? So would you have rather been at? Well, obviously you have that one, but opening day when Kershaw hit a homer in the game against the Giants, I wish I was there. Uh, actually, I have another moment. Yeah, uh, was Vince Scully Vince Scully's last Vince Scully's last announcing game at Dodger Stadium during the regular season, and uh, Charlie Culberson 
walks off the game for us and we clinch the NL West. And that was probably one of the hottest and best games I've ever been to. Here's my rebuttal to that. I didn't go. I sold my ticket. Uh, but why would you want to be at the game that Vince Scully's calling unless you have your headphones in like the old dudes used to do it? Cause... Because uh, Vince Scully came out when we won it and gave a special speech to everyone, and that was pretty cool. And he, and he sang a song. Yes, and he sang the song. Wind beneath my window. So, yeah, I know we. Yeah, I can always go back and listen to that game. It's not hard to listen to that game, but when I'm there and I get see him give everyone a speech, it was pretty moving, man. Matt Culbertson, just absolute legend. Uh, another good game, but not at Dodger Stadium. Was uh, ask for your best. All right, are you doing top three now? Yeah, I am because this was kind of crazy but uh when we went to a safe field and it was like the the mariners were getting like worked like six nothing or something like that yeah we looked it up recently i totally forgot six nothing and uh they actually won the game 11 to 6 and i remember like them having bases loaded and looking at you and telling you hey Dude, this guy's going to hit a granny right now. Next pitch, sure enough, he hits a grand slam. And that guy might have been out of the big leagues the next day, which is great. I've never heard of him since then. That was another game where it was like 100 degrees, but awesome. Yep. We walked to our car, and traffic's just so bad. We're like, let's just park the car back and go to the bar right down the street. We go to the bar. Yeah, you want to? Yeah, people want to complain about Dodger Stadium traffic. That traffic was absolutely insane. I've been the worst two traffics I've ever experienced at any stadium is Angels and Safeco. But that was awesome that there you just that's the greatest thing. You just walk to a bar, wait till traffic dies down. And I remember we were uh Little League World Series was going on and we were taking fireball shots. Nothing better. I do remember that. Right next door. Yeah, I was like uh I forgot what that's called, but there it was all Mariners out. Griffey old jerseys and stuff. Pretty awesome. Great experience. <laughs> Um, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a sick podcast. Uh, last time you came on was like two years ago and we ranked the top baseball movies and drafted a team. That was pretty fun. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, a minute since I've been on, but you're doing a good job. Keep it going. Yeah, I got my and, uh, on. I washed it and it came out to be an extra small. So Yeah, you just you're supposed to you were supposed to wash it and then not dry it in the dryer. Well, I'm wearing actually my 10 after 7 shirt right now. Well, when we get on Zoom and we can actually have you and your face on here and when I can see the kids, that'll be a greater podcast. But thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Oh, and uh, your biggest fan wants to say something to you. Cash, come here. Cashy. You want to say something to Uncle? Yeah, he's in his Dodger outfit. All right, we'll tell the kids I love them. Tell Kaylee I love her. I'll see you soon. All right, love you. And there you have it. I want to thank everyone once again for tuning into the 10 After 7 podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.